What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Hey, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. I have two daughters, Veda 9 and Casey Ray 4. And so me and my wife, my name's Troy, my wife and I get to Pastor Victory Church, and we're so excited to spend Father's Day with you. Uh, I want to real quick just kind of give you a highlight. If you are visiting, I want to say welcome. Give you a highlight of what we do here at Victory. We're about four things, growing, guiding, giving, and going. We want to help people grow to know God, help guide people to their freedom, help people give, give people an opportunity for them to give out of their purpose, and then help people go and make a difference. And for the past few weeks, we've really been highlighting the go value of our church. Starting next week, I will start bringing all of our attention to all the things we're doing in July, from our 4th of July celebration to our serve day to our volunteering at the food bank. And I'll walk you through how to sign up for that, and I'm really excited about that. But the past few weeks, we've really been highlighting that go value and the areas that you are involved financially. We've talked about the first missionary that we support. We've talked about the 4,000 meals that we gave to uh, Second Harvest Food Bank. For the community. And I want to take just a moment. Janelle, I'm going to invite you up real quick. If you can come on up here. I want to take just a second to highlight another area of ministry that you are already supporting and that we are already connecting with as a church. And it's called Empowerment Incorporated. And so as Miss Janelle is coming, Miss Janelle and her family attend Victory Church. We met them through Victory and heard a lot about what they're doing through Empowerment. And I wanted to do this for a couple reasons. Number one, isn't she beautiful? Hey, look at it. Yep. I wanted you to be able to go ahead and they don't, they don't ever applaud me like that, just so we know. Um, I wanted you to be able to see her face and know her because as we move forward and get involved as a church, if you say, hey, that's an area I really want to go above and beyond, I want you to be able to point her out in a room and connect with her. So Empowerment does a lot with the schools in Antioch and preparing kids for college, but two of the things that they do specifically that I'm really passionate about is they help those kids learn how to properly fill out a college application and help them get scholarships for college. And you know as well as I do, there's nothing more important right now than the kids that are in school, getting them educated and getting them in a position where they can get a good job, provide for their family, stay off the streets, those kind of things. And what Empowerment Incorporated is doing amongst many things is they're meeting with these kids and giving them an opportunity to be tutored and to be prepared for college applications. She walks them through filling out an actual college application. Here's how you do it. I don't know about you. No one ever taught me that. I was never taught, here's how to fill out a college application. And so to me, that's priceless. And I wanted you to be able to connect Janelle with that ministry. I thought we'd pray for it real quick. And then we're going to give her a little gift on behalf of you and Victory Church. And so what a great opportunity, right? So let's do this. Let's start by praying for Empowerment Incorporated. Lord, we thank you right now for Janelle, for Everett, for the ministry. And Lord, what they're doing in Antioch and in Rutherford County. Lord, we're so excited to be a part, to partner with them. I thank you for the calling and the passion you've put on Janelle's heart. And most of all, I'm praying now for the many doors that you're going to open, the favor that you're going to bring her way, because she is doing your work, Lord. She's passionate about the young people. She's passionate about educating them, not just with the gospel, but with actual real-life education that they help them get jobs and finances. And, Lord, we want to come alongside her in everywhere, from pray, from prayer to financial support, and then even to physical help to be able to help her impact the kids in Antioch. So we pray your favor right now over Empowerment Incorporated. We pray for doors to open. We pray for finances to come. We pray for every need that she has to be met so that she can continue to make the impact in Antioch. And we pray for that ministry to move on into Smyrna and into every area in Rutherford County to impact kids in schools. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Now, Janelle, on behalf of Victory Church, and because you guys give so faithfully, today we want to present you with a check for $1,000 to Empowerment Incorporated. Thank you so much for what you do. Mm. Come on, one more time for Janelle and Empowerment Incorporated. Yes, yes. Here's what I love so much about Victory, if you're visiting with us, is as you see, I didn't have to get up and say, hey, here's what we want to do. We want to support her. We're going to pass the buckets and take up. Because you are so faithful in your giving, because you're so faithful in purpose prevails and in tithing, we are able to do this. We're able to, as a church, in case you're wondering, you're visiting, we tithe 10% of our annual budget. We give 10% of our annual budget away to ministries that are doing things in this community. And so it's exciting. And that's not all the money we'll give. We'll continue to pour into Empowerment Incorporated throughout the year, but I wanted you to see her. I wanted you to start praying for Empowerment Incorporated, and I want you to get involved and help kids be able to get college educations and college scholarships. Amen? Amen. Hey, before we jump into the word real quick, Pastor Brian and Malcolm mentioned it real quick. Grow Track Part 1 starts next week. If you've been visiting for a few weeks, if you've been hanging out during the James series, come on. Go to Grow Track. Be a part of the dream team. We're getting ready to do some great things in July all throughout our community. We want you to be a part of that, and it's going to be great. And here, here's the whole reason you need to do it. You ready? Let's see if the church is ready for this. Because you are here on purpose because you have a purpose. Everybody who's in here, you have a purpose. We want you to fulfill that purpose and impact the kingdom of God. Amen? Yo, you ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bible, open up the book of James. James is in the back of the Bible. And we're in a series right now called The Book of James. If you look on your phone or you want to follow along on the screen, that's perfectly fine. During this series, we have been encouraging you to bring a paper Bible because you can highlight and underline and write notes as we kind of go through this book. Uh, we have Bibles available at the Welcome Center that Malcolm and Pastor Brian were talking about, so feel free to stop by there, and Nikki will give you a Bible. We have all different versions that you might like. She'll give you whatever you need. We'd love to be the people that give you your first Bible. Um, and just follow along throughout this series so that when you look back at the book of James, you can really see, uh, it can really come alive to you, and who knows, something that God says to you here might minister to you five years from now. And so we really encourage you to do that. This series, we've been in now for a couple of weeks. And the letter is written by James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. And James goes on to be a pastor. And at this time, when he's writing this letter, the, the early church, all of the Christians, had been scattered throughout because of persecution. So the first martyr, Stephen, had been killed. And Christians began to just kind of sporadically go wherever they could go. And they were kind of hiding out the best they could for their lives. And they were having kind of these house churches. And so instead of having like an actual building um, or, or a school in this matter that meets, they, they would gather in their home and there would be a pastor there in their home and he would gather them together. And then the letter from James arrived at these houses, all these different houses, and the pastor would take the letter and he would gather his church around in the house and he would start to read the letter of James to them very uh, similar to what we're doing today. And so to them, that letter that that pastor held in his hand was the Bible. That was the Bible. It's why it's in our Bible. Now, it wasn't leather-binded for them. It was a letter. But they would let later take letters like that, including this letter from James, put it all together and make what we have as the Bible. And so as, they, as he sat down and read the letter of James, they were having church, which is what we're going to do today. And it's really important for you to understand that this letter was written to Christians. He was writing to Christians saying, hey, we need to be a little bit better at this. 
Okay, we're trying to share the gospel. We're trying to let people understand that they need Christ. And here's some of the areas that we're getting off as Christians and we need to be better at. And so we looked at chapter 1 over the past couple weeks. And today we'll start with the first half of chapter 2. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. And then we will begin to break it down. It says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And he gives an example. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. So assume DJ Khaled comes into your church service, and then all of a sudden a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes, and you say, hey, here's a good seat for you, man, set by me. But then you say to the poor man, hey, you stand up, right? Or a matter of fact, set by my feet. If you do that, have you not discriminated among yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, pay attention, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Then you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is still guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. And if you do not commit adultery but then you commit murder, haven't you become a lawbreaker? Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. For mercy triumphs over judgment. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would make it real to us today. Apply it to our lives. Help it change our hearts and soften our hearts to the spirit of God, the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever experienced favoritism? Have you ever felt judged? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were being judged by more of your external presentation than your internal presentation? If we were honest, we could say this. We have all been on both sides of it, right? There's been times where we've been judged for the better, and there's been times where we've been judged for the worse. There's been times where favoritism has been shown to us, and there's a time where we have had favoritism shown away from us, right? Uh, if we were honest with ourselves, a lot of us experienced it in grade school, because there was nothing worse than the playground pick-me-up game, right? You're out there, and they decide to play kickball or whatever it is, and then it's time to pick teams. And everybody in here, we can put you in two categories. You are either the first person to be picked, right? Oh, we got to have this person on our team. Or you were the person the other team got stuck with. You know what I'm talking about? Like they were trying to pick a rock before they picked you. They're looking around. and you, it, We had a family picnic, church picnic a few weeks ago, which was amazing. And we started playing Ultimate Frisbee, and there was about 10 of us. And it was so funny because I'm not the best. I, I'm, I, I'm okay, but I'm not a fantastic Ultimate Frisbee. A lot of the guys were way better than me. And we start picking the teams, and I keep getting picked first, right? And I looked over at Pastor Brian, and I said, I'm getting picked first because I'm the pastor. Like, you know that's why this is happening. Like, this is the only reason this is happening. I'm being shown favoritism right now. And, and, and this is kind of what James is talking about. He's like, look, we can't let this be in the church, which is funny because one of the very first times I ever really felt judged was at the church. 
So let me tell you the story. And some of you kind of know it a little bit, but it's really funny. So Pastor Brian leads me to the Lord, and then he starts bringing me, we, we were in Memphis, Tennessee, he starts bringing me to his church, and the day we go to, to arrive for the very first time, we're going to go up there early and play basketball. And the gym was right next to what they call their family life center, and at their family life center, they had Wednesday night dinner at 5 p.m., all right? So that tells you right there that the entire crowd was majority senior adults because we're not eating dinner at 5 p.m., you know what I mean? And so we arrived to the event, and here's what we look like. I, I, and again, some of my church knows this. I had a full baby blue outfit on. I had baby blue looks. I had baby blue, uh, what they, were, they called them balloon pants at the time, baby blue tee, big chain I got from the middle of the mall, diamond earrings, baby blue hat, and I showed up ready, you know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to ball, I'm ready to, to holler at some girls, you know what I mean, whatever. I mean, this is, this is who I was, I, you know, okay. And, uh, and Pastor Brian's with me, and Pastor Brian has one pants leg pulled up, and he had just got these twists in his hair, okay? He was working on getting corn rolls, and so he had these twists because he stretched them out. So imagine, y'all ever see, uh, and, and I'm, not, I'm not promoting this movie, y'all ever seen Hellraiser, and he's got all the nails? He kind of looked like that. Like he just had all these like little things of hair sticking up. In it. And we walked in the door. Now here's the best part. There was a main entrance, and then there was a side entrance. And because Pastor Brian was so well known at the church, we came in the side entrance. And we walked in, and you would have thought, like somebody was about to get robbed, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you heard all the forks hit the plate, like ching, and everybody just went like. And I just stood there thinking, maybe we shouldn't be here, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is and like that was just one of those moments where I felt for a second that maybe I was getting shown some partiality, you know what I mean? Like like maybe just maybe I'm being judged a little bit at that moment. And as, and as much as we wish that wasn't true, as much as we wish we could say, hey, you won't be judged at church, a lot of times in the modern day church, we're still struggling with judgment. And in the early day church, they were struggling with it. They were big on showing favoritism to those who had money and those who had authority. And this is why James is talking about, he's not pointing out people who have money and people who don't have money. That's not even what he's talking about. It's just the way that the, mod, that the early day Christians would treat people who had money versus the way they would treat people who didn't. And James is saying, we can't do this. We can't show favoritism. We are Christ's children. We have to show everybody the same acceptance, and we, we can't be this way. And, and, and again, he's talking to Christians, and so I thought it was so important for us today as Christians, as we're trying to impact the kingdom of God, we need to hear James' words, and we need to be careful of judgment and be careful of favoritism. And here's how I would wrap up what James is saying first. Here's my first point. We need to learn to value all people the way God values them. We need to value all people, every person, every color, every financial status. doesn't matter who their parents are. We need to value every person the way God values them. James, again, said it like this, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Don't do it. And then he goes on to give that example of a poor man and a rich man and this and that. And Hear me, James is not saying that you can't have a best friend, okay? Don't get all wrapped up in that, like, well, you mean I can't, like, like somebody better? Than James is not saying you can't have a best friend. James is not even saying you can't have a, a small group of people that you get along with more than another group of people. Like, that, that happens. That's called community, okay? There's people in here that like what I like and people who don't. And so it's just naturally how it happens. What he's saying is this. You and I are not allowed to determine another person's value. That's what we're not allowed to do. And, and when I separate myself and I create this group over here, 
that's for me, and I allow certain people in this group, but I don't allow other people into this group, what I have done is I have put a higher value on me and a higher value on these people than I have that person, and that is wrong. That is wrong. And that's what James is saying. We are not allowed to choose value for other people. Matter of fact, hear me, a person's value is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. Doesn't matter what you know about them. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter who they are. Their value is not up for you to negotiate. It's not up for you to decide. And here's why. Because we all cost the same price. Every one of us, every person you've ever come across costs the same price that you cost. I love how Paul put it. When Paul was trying to explain this to the church in Rome, he writes a similar letter like James wrote to the churches that are in Rome. And here's what he said in this and what they broke down in chapter 5, verse 8. He said, God shows his love for who? Us. God shows his love for, for, no, no. God shows his love for us. How? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God is showing his love to us. Everybody, hear me, our culture, our culture determines someone's value by what they can do for them, right? If you can do something for me, your value goes up. If you can't, your value goes down. Our culture is yelling in your ear to determine a person's value by what they can do for you. Meanwhile, God is saying he determines people's value by what he has already done for them. Think about that. People's value is not determined by what they can do for you. It's determined by what God has already done for them. I love Anne Lamott's quote. I saw this quote and I immediately said, this is something I got to have in my life. She said, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. Right? Hurts, doesn't it? When, when all of a sudden God doesn't like the people you don't like, you can rest assured you've probably created an image of God. Because God died for every person. The same value he has for you is the same value he has for someone who's out right now outside there, someone who's in another state, someone who's in another country. He has the same value. Let me let, me let you in on something. Every individual in the world can be separated into two categories. Okay, Every individual, no matter race, no matter uh, belief system, no matter standards, they can be separated, and they are separated into two categories. Category number one is they are a Christian. They have committed their heart to Christ, they believe in Jesus, and therefore, Christ lives in them. Okay? Christ lives in them. That's category one. Category two is they are not a Christian, they do not believe in Jesus Christ, but Christ died for them. Okay? So category one, Christ lives in them. Category two, Christ died for them. Here's what that means. Regardless of what category you're in, God sees you as valuable, right? It's the same value. Me, I have Christ living in me. Guess how much I cost? Christ's life. This person over here who doesn't follow Jesus, who doesn't like Jesus, who hates God, who curses God, guess how much they cost? Christ's life. It's the same value. It doesn't matter if I go to church for my entire life. And then someone decides right before they die to just read a scripture. It's the same value. They have the same value that Christ died for them. The other day, Darla was making this cake. It was a couple nights ago. She was making this cake for somebody. And she was making a cake with Oreo filling, right? 
And so I come into the kitchen, and she's, and this, this is why this is my girl. She's making a cake while she's eating Oreos. I'm like, you're just the bomb. You know what I mean? Like, you just, I mean, every man's dream. And so I walked in, and I was like, oh, I got to eat Oreos, right? You don't, you don't come into contact with Oreos and milk and not eat Oreos and milk. And so it was really funny because I walked by, and there was one Oreo just in there bathing in the milk. I was like, babe, you forgot about him? She was like, oh, yeah, thanks. And so he was in there bathing. And so, so we're eating it, and I'm, I'm loving I mean, how many of y'all like Oreos? Y'all like Oreos, right? If you don't like Oreos, something's wrong with you. And so sitting there eating them, and, and, and they got a little crazy with all the, all the kinds. Now, they got lemon and salted caramel and red velvet. They need to chill. But, 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 but Oreos are great. So I'm eating them. They're amazing. I, not, not one moment did I judge the Oreo. You know what I mean? Not at one moment was I like, man, this one's good, but this one's kind of nasty. Like, like, it was just they were all equally valuable. You know what I'm saying? And so I walked away for a minute, went and did a few things. I came back by the trash can. There was a wrapper. And, and the wrapper for the Oreos, put that picture up for me. It wasn't this wrapper. It was this wrapper. They weren't Oreos. They were twisting shouts. You know what I mean? They were imposters. I never thought to look to see if they had the little Oreo word on it. Let me get me help you with you. See right here? This says Oreo right here, all right? If you ever want to know if it's an imposter, it don't say Oreo right here, all right? Or if it does, it's like the J's that are discount when Jordan all hadn't got three legs, the Oreo would be spelled wrong. It'd be like O-R-O-E or something like that, all right? Don't worry about that. But anyway, it wasn't, and all of a sudden I realized something. I started all of a sudden putting different value in those Oreos. Now I was like, well, I'm not eating another one. Right? Like all of a sudden they just weren't good. You know what I mean? Like I, I just had 10 of them and, and, and I literally huffed them. Down. And then all of a sudden now I don't want to have them because they're a different brand. I realized something about myself. I determine value by packaging. Here's what 1 Samuel thought was so important for us to understand about God. Is that the Lord does not, does not uh, 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 look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Why would we need to know that? Because if we want to be Christ-like, we don't determine value by packaging. We determine value by the heart. Right? So it doesn't matter how you're packaged. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what you look like or whether you like that or whether you don't. It doesn't matter the packaging. The value was in Christ dying for you. So James is just saying, hey, listen, church. Don't determine people's value. God already did that. Just acknowledge that the value they're worth is that of the life of Christ. It's the same value me and you have. And then here's what James pretty much says. He says, hey, if you want to make it real simple, just love them like you love yourself. I, I struggled the most with this point all week because I'm like, what else do you say? <laughs> right? I mean, it's just like, boom, in your face, mic drop. Like, love them as you love yourself. It's pretty simple. Like, love them. How many of you love yourself? You love yourself? I love myself. You know what I mean? Like, like if I'm at a buffet, I like to go back and eat food because I love myself. Right? Myself deserves the food. I love when I'm in I-24 traffic and all of a sudden people come speeding up beside me trying to skip, I scoot up a little bit not to let them over, right? Because I love myself. You know, I don't love you, but I love myself. And so James is saying, hey, church, listen, I fixed it for you. Don't try to determine people's values. Just stop and give them all the same value. Well, what value is that? The value you have in yourself. The way you value yourself Value them. If you want them to let you over with your blinker, then let them over when they have their blinker on, right? That's the most, like, boom, there it is. 
Love them as you love yourself. Nobody was better at this than Jesus. Jesus, literally, you just follow him throughout scripture. I'm begging you. Just read the three and a half years that he did ministry. When he was just his adult life, 30 to 33 and a half. You just read those three and a half years. You will see Jesus constantly walk through loving people the way he loves himself. It was amazing. It was incredible. There were so many things he did, listen to me, to allow people to feel noticed. See, I'm learning the older I get that value is in being noticed. When I notice someone... I give them value. When somebody notices me, I feel like they give me value. And there are three things that Jesus did that are, again, he did many, but there are three that I want to talk about real quick that you and I can do and we can make this very easy. You can walk out of here today and apply this to your life on how to start making people feel valuable. Here's what he did. Three things was this. Number one, he saw them. He saw them. In Luke 19, 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus had climbed up into a tree to be able to see Jesus, but he didn't want Jesus to see him. And the Bible says that Jesus looked up at him. He saw him, right? He recognized, he looked at him. I heard a, 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 a woman by the name of Beth Moore do a devotion one time. She talked about how she was in a bathroom. And there was somebody in there cleaning the bathroom, and she walked out, and she realized, she went back in, and she just recognized the person that was cleaning the bathroom. You know, how many times do you and I go past people, and we don't see them? You know what I mean? Like, people are there. You look, you might not be able to help them. That's okay. I don't have the money to give them. That's fine. But you can see them. And a lot of times, we're just so busy, and we're running from here to there, and we got this stress, and that stress, and this stress, and that stress. And can I tell you why the enemy created social media? It's because you can be seen without being seen. And this is why Jesus taught us, hey, you need to see people. When you see them, when you acknowledge them, man, you give them value. Next thing he did is he sat with them. He didn't just see them, but he sat down with them. Matthew 9.10 says, as he sat in the house. One version says he reclined at the table. Jesus didn't just sit down. Yeah, yeah, you ever seen, there's two different kinds of setting. There's the uncomfortable setting where you sit up at like the edge of the chair. You know what I mean? Your legs are real tight and you're just like, you're barely putting your booty on the chair. You just, you don't want to get comfortable. And then there's like reclining. You know what I mean? Like lazy boy reclining. Like it might take me three minutes to get out of this chair. Like that, those are kind of the, that's, that's how you know someone is truly there. He was reclining. He's sitting with them. He's in their house. He's sitting down with them. He sees them. He's sitting down with them. He's making them valuable. And then last but not least, he spoke to them. This is even probably the most incredible one. He talks to a woman at the well, and it was, it was literally unheard of for a man to talk to a woman, especially a Samaritan woman. And the Bible says Jesus spoke to her. You'd be surprised the value you can give people just by speaking to them. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I have learned, again, that as a culture, we are so into not seeing people that we will speak to people and not even really care what they have to say, right? Y'all have experienced this with somebody walks by, hey, how you doing? And you're three miles that way before somebody answers. If somebody was ever to go, hey, can I be? No, 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 I didn't want you to speak. You know, I was just saying hi. I was just being polite, you know, and move right on. But Jesus noticed people. And here's what I believe. I believe the closer you and I get to God, the more we will understand that we are supposed to give people value, not take it away. That's that's who we are supposed to be as Christians. This is what James is saying. Love them as yourself. Give people value. When Darla and I were pastoring in Memphis as youth pastors, service would end and we would, man, we would sit around and chat and hang out. Something we're trying to build here. We would just hang out for a while, um, sometimes hour, hour and a half. Me and Tim would just kind of stand towards the front. People would come and talk. It It was crazy. And one night, 
service ends, and, we, and a lot of times I would just sit down on the edge of the stage, and people would come. And so I'm sitting there, and we're in four or five conversations. And I look towards the back left side of the youth building, and we had like a corner with like video games and pool tables and all that kind of stuff. And I see this kid sitting on a stool. Nobody's talking to him. He's not weird looking. He's not, you know, he's, he's not doing anything weird. He's just, he's just sitting there. He's just, just sitting there being normal. But nobody's talking to him. People are just walking by him. It's just people are busy. People got to go. I get it. And so I see him. And so I finish this conversation, and I walk back towards there, and I pull up a stool beside him, and I sit down, and I start talking to him. I find out his name is Anatole Jr. was his name. His dad's name was Anatole. He had two twin sisters that went to our youth group, and I found out later that Darla was discipling his sisters. I didn't make the connection at first. And I get to talk to him. He's in 10th grade, and we're just kind of talking through different things, and we connect. And so the next week, I'd see him, and I'd go back there and talk to him for a little bit more. Slowly but surely, he kind of went from the back stool to the back seat, you know. It's why we put these things up. We don't want y'all to be in the back seats. And so they just kind of work their way up, you know, a little bit. And and it got to a point to where we would text here and there. You know, I'd take him to lunch here or there. And then actually, this is kind of the coolest moment for me and him. When the Gardens of the Galaxy came out, I didn't know who they were, so I didn't care about the movie. And he really wanted to go see it, so he invited me. I went with him. It was the best movie. I loved it. Favorite superhero of all time, right? And so I, we did a movie together. All this kind of stuff. Anyway, that was years ago. So you fast forward. He's married now. And uh, a few months ago, him and his wife, his sister and her, I think boyfriend or fiance, I can't remember which one, they drive up from Memphis to come to church, come to Victory Church. And so they come to church that Sunday, and then we go out to eat. And it's a great time, hanging out with them, everything. They go back home. And a few hours later, he sends me a text. And I wanted to read to you this text real quick. I thought this was cool. He says, sorry if it's a little long. He said, but I don't know if I've actually ever really told you this, but I wanted to thank you for all your influence and effort. Every time I tell someone about my turning point in my walk with God and progression, it includes you and how God was able to use you to keep me on track. Even if you didn't know, and I didn't. He said, I was at a very distant place from God back in my 10th grade year. Didn't care for church, was doing whatever I wanted. And to have someone who took upon themselves to push me and want to involve me changed everything. I realized the importance of serving and the, influencing and, and, influ- and the influence you have on the next generation with a little effort. And to this day, I value you. As a leader and as a mentor, I, I subscribe to the podcast and I look for, forward to a Jew sermon. That's supposed to be a new sermon. Uh, and so I uh, look forward to a new sermon every Monday. And even now with you being in another city, you have influence on me and my wife through you allowing God to speak to you. I'm forever grateful for that. Keep doing great things. And I'll be back to visit soon. Much love, Anatole. Here's what I thought was so cool about that. Is it all started because I saw him. There was a moment where I saw him. And then I didn't stay there. I didn't just see him and move on. I saw him, and then I moved, and I sat down with him. And then I spoke to him. And now I've got this friend who's impacting my life and impacting other people's lives. And he said a few things in that text that were real specific to me. One, when he said the value thing, which I'm going to come to that in a minute. But you see where he said that um, you've inspired me in in the importance of serving. If you know anything about our church, I'm really big on purpose. And so for him to even get that then, I, I I wasn't preaching that into him then. It was just helping him be able to see what I was seeing. And here's what I'm learning. If you add value to people, you'll find out that down the road they'll add value to you. It's always coming back around with the Lord. Always. And so there are people, hear me, there are people that God wants you to see. And there are people that God wants you to sit with. And there are people that God wants you to speak to. Because maybe, just maybe six years from now, you'll have an opportunity to see them give their heart to the Lord. Or you'll have an opportunity to get a text message like that. Because we are called to help people see their value, not determine what it is. Right? 
So James already knows what our defense is going to be, and so he prepares, because here's our defense. Well, I get it, but what if they're, like, really bad? You know what I mean? Like, what if they're a really bad person? Like, I can give people value when they're cool. <laughs> you know, I can hang out with them. I can sit with them. I can go see Gardens of Galaxy when they're cool. But what if they're a really bad person? What if they're a sinner? You know, and what if they're a worse sinner than me? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, come on. Y'all can leave me up here by myself all you want. But, but I understand how it works. This is what we do. It's kind of the debate. And I love what James says. He hits back with this. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So if you do all these things right according to the law, and you do this one thing wrong, guess what? You might as well broke the whole thing. That's the problem with the law. That's why Christ. He said, for if you say, that, for the one who said you shall not commit adultery, also said you should not murder. And here's my favorite part. He said, so if you don't commit adultery, but you murder, guess what? You're a lawbreaker. Here's my understanding to that. Sin is sin. So even if you aren't as bad as them, guess what? You're bad. Just because you don't do their sin doesn't mean that your sin's better than theirs. You know what I mean? We don't rate sin. I don't know. I've told this story before. I thought it was really fun. I was teaching an internship one time, and I put all these different sins up, murder, all these different things. And I asked the class. They didn't know I was doing this to them. I said, rank the sins for me, one being the worst, five being the least worst. Rank them. And they did it because they had to. And so they ranked them, and then I judged them. Just kidding. I didn't. And so they ranked them. And, and so then I erased the word, and I just wrote sin five times. Sin, sin, sin. I said, now rank that. Like, well, we can't rank that. Same thing. Exactly. Sin is sin. Doesn't matter if you lie. Doesn't matter if you murder. Sin is sin. This is what James is saying. Hey, guess what? The people who you think are badder than you, they're not. See, Christ died for them too. And so that's where we have to be able to get into a mindset of just because you did something that I think is worse than what I did doesn't cheapen your value. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And guess what? The same grace Christ gave me, you get too. So I can't judge you by your sin. I have to be able to value you by his grace. And that's the understanding there. And this is why James goes on to say this. If you're going to judge people, judge them the way you would want yourself to be judged. So value people the way God values them. Love them the way you love yourself. And if you're going to judge, judge them the way you want to be judged. We all judge. It happens. I'd love to get up here and tell you, I'm superhuman. I don't ever judge anybody. Like, it happens. And here's what I've learned about us when we judge, is when we judge, we use a measure of mercy. All right? So, in other words, if uh, your spouse does something, Pastor Brian was, seemed a little upset about his Father's Day uh, presence, so we need to pray for him. Um, if something doesn't go right in the house, you will start to judge your spouse, and you will give your spouse a measure of mercy. Okay, a measure. If something happens with your kids, you will give your kids a measure of mercy. If something happens on I-24, you will give that driver a measure of mercy. If something happens in the drive through line, you will give them a measure of mercy. There's a measure of mercy. And for most of us, when we judge, we give a very little measure of mercy. Tim, come here for real quick. We give very small. If we go to Chick-fil-A and our order isn't right, who am I kidding? That never happens, right? <laughs> That's blasphemy. Who would say that, right? If you go to if you go to other, you know, if you go to all the sinning fast food chains and, and you don't get your, there's a little bit of mercy. So come here, take this right here, all right? So some of us just kind of go out a little bit. Some of us, that's you know, we got we have a little bit of a measure of mercy for people. Like I'm a judge them, but my measure of mercy is small. And then maybe maybe when it's our kids, it's, it's a little bit more mercy, but it, but it's still it's still small. 
And then for some of us, when it comes to our spouse, who am I kidding? When it comes to our spouse, we give even smaller measure of mercy. And so there's just a certain point for us, for all of us, where our mercy just stops, right? And no matter what the situation is, we're going to judge, but our measure of mercy, this is just, this is as much as I got. When it comes to me, I'm going to give mercy, but this is what I have. And our measurement of mercy is small. And when we're dealing with people, this is what we give them. I'll give you this much mercy on the street. I'll give you this much mercy behind the counter. I'll give you this much mercy in our house. This is the much mercy I have, my judge. And if we're honest, this is a very small measurement of mercy, right? So then, when it comes to people judging us, we expect mercy to be a little bit different, right? And so we would say, hey, when you're judging me, would you give me just a little bit more mercy than you gave, I gave you, just, just a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, I know I, I know I judged you with a little bit of mercy, but when it comes to me messing up, I'm going to need you to give me a little, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like, husbands, right? Yeah, wives, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, when you mess up, yeah. When I mess up, oh, boo, you know I was playing. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of the, like, I want this large measure of mercy. When, when people mess up, when they drive crazy, uh, blowing a horn, you're the first person to, uh, when you're driving, you're like, I'm sorry, I got to send a text message. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's a difference in judging and mercy when it comes to sin. And we're like judging, and people mess up, and our measurement is really small. You shouldn't do that. I can't believe you did that. Oh, you better not do that. But then when we mess up, it's like, hey, man, we're all humans. And there's this large measure of mercy. And here's what James is saying. Whatever measurement you use to measure yourself is the same measurement you need to use to measure others. Because, and here's what Scripture says, because the measurement you use for them is the measurement that will be used on you. And that's got to be the inspiration that says, you know what? Why don't I show more mercy? Why don't I let mercy triumph, triumph over judgment? Because at the end of the day, I'm just as valuable as anybody else, and I make just as much mistakes as anybody else. And so if I'm going to measure judgment, I'm going to measure it with a lot of mercy. Wouldn't that be great? This, this is what James is telling us, church, that when it comes to, see if I can make my way, that's 30 feet, that's a long ways. Thank you, sir. Everybody give Tim a hand with that Memphis hat. We see, what I do with my little one? Did you steal my little one? You thief? I'm just kidding. I love you. Another hand for Tim. So look, here's what James is saying. Hey, Christians, gather, gather, Christians, gather, gather. When it comes time for mercy, don't use this measurement. Use this one. Have mercy. Let mercy triumph over judgment. See the value in people. See the value that God saw in them when he gave his, when he gave his only son for them. See that value and love them like you love yourself. And judge them. If you're going to do it, give them mercy. The same amount of mercy you would want someone to give you. I had this statement come into my mind. It happened last week, actually. And the more and more I prayed about this sermon, 
the more and more I felt God say, this, this is the statement that James is trying to get across, and this is the statement that Victory Church needs to have carved on their heart. And here's what it is. When it comes to Christianity, our goal isn't perfection. It's progression. When you look for people to be perfect, you have a little bit of mercy. When you look for people to be progressive, you have a lot more mercy. I'll give you some examples. I remember the first time I learned to ride a bike. And thanks to my father, I ran into a tree the very first time. It was very painful. But he had a lot of mercy for me as I learned to ride a bike, right? I've said this before here, and this is my favorite illustration. Anybody here got brand new kids, toddler age kids, they just learned how to walk or getting close to learn how to walk? I wonder if Brian and Tabby, when Sophie learns to walk, would be beside her and when she falls, go, you're a failure! I can't believe you, Sophie! Get up! You are, how old is she? You are one and you're almost one and a half. You're ridiculous! We don't do that, right? If we, y'all, we'd be calling DHS on them or whatever. I mean, if something, there's a problem. Is it DCA? It doesn't matter. You know the letters. So that'd be bad. So who are we as baby Christians talking to baby Christians to go, are you kidding me? You fell down. Are you kidding me? No, it's about progression. What I expect to see in Brian and Tabby's house, as soon as Sophie learns how to do a little something, a little bow-legged walk, just a little, they're going to be like, oh, look at my baby. Oh, right? Because they're all about progression. You're getting there. You're getting there. You're going to be better. You're gonna be better. You're gonna get better. You're gonna get better. You're gonna get better. I'm still telling my kids that you're gonna get better. You're gonna get better. I've noticed my mom's still telling me you're gonna get better. You're gonna get better. Because it's progression. Paul says, not until the day we die have we reached the goal. Church, here's our mantra as Christians to every person who is trying to follow Christ or doesn't want to follow Christ or whatever it is. Hey, we're not about perfection. We're about progression. And if you will focus on progression, it's in our progression that Christ finds our perfection. That's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for valuing people and for putting value in people and celebrating the little step and celebrating the move forward. I've always said here at Victory Church, we're all about just getting you one step more. If, if a year from now you're one step ahead, great. Next year we'll get you one more step. And we'll do this together until we're 60, until I die, which everyone comes first. But we're just going progression, progression, yes, yes. More mercy, more mercy. Get the big, more mercy. Get the big measuring tape. More mercy, 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 more mercy. Whatever it takes for you to be progressive so that eventually... You can get to the place. Anybody here need one of these for work? Anybody, father in here need one of these for work? Come here, brother. Let me throw this to you. Get up. Get out of your seat. Get out of your seat. I'm not doing I'm going to hit him in the face. Get up. I'm going to leave it here. You know how to grab it after service. All right. But that's the concept, church. That's what James is telling the Christians of the early church, and that's what he's telling us today in the modern church. Value people. Love them like we love ourselves, and let mercy triumph over judgment and let's see progression and not be trying to expect perfection. Do you want someone to expect perfection out of you? Please don't ever expect it out of me. 
but you will see progression. Mercy over triumph. Amen? Lord, we thank you for who you are, your faithfulness, your word that is alive and moving in our lives. I thank you for what James was saying then. He's still saying to us today. I pray this word would be real to our hearts today. I pray we would leave out of this place and look for the opportunity to add value to somebody's life. I pray we would see people this week. I pray we would sit with people this week. I pray we would speak to people this week. I pray that we would let mercy triumph over judgment. I pray that we would look and, and expect progression out of people, not perfection, and teach us to walk this thing out called faith and teach us to be reflections of you, Lord, who looks not to the outward appearance, but to the heart. May we make you proud as your children as we put value in your children that have not chosen you yet. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.